0: When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA safe Pilot, you'll feel like
1: a big deal, even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA safe Pilot. Restrictions apply.
0: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Cazorra. Always live talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and
1: Alex.
2: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 116. He's Dave bryan I'm Alex Cazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation and Oh, what's the phrase? There ain't no party like you how, how's it go, Dave? I'm I'm thinking about this on the fly. I should have prepped this better. There ain't no party like a Pittsburgh Steelers party because a Pittsburgh Steelers party don't stop. I mean, it has been a <laughs> I'm I'm working on it. Um it how, do you, a, how
1: do you do, fellow kids? Yeah, that's
2: my like very 29-year-old boomer self. You have ate, you while. have aged I know. so much uh,
1: uh since since coming on many how many how many years does this make now? For me? Yeah, how long Coming you- up on
2: 10 in August? Uh, I think it'll be a decade.
1: Yeah, boy, you've you have aged. You you really have. And you're not like even that
2: 30 dude yet. like saving private Ryan where he like ages over yeah. time at the end there. Like that's me right now. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so just to, to recap, it's been busy. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I am tired. <laughs> I am very tired right now. But April 18th was the fifteenth year anniversary of the Steelers Depot first post entitled Hello World. And yeah. on April 18th, 2023, the, the post of the day is, hello, Allen Robinson, now apparently close to becoming a Pittsburgh Steeler, taking a physical in Pittsburgh on Wednesday, and assuming he passes that, uh, a trade will be completed between the Rams and the Steelers. So the Pittsburgh part, the Steelers party, Dave, does not stop.
1: Uh this is uh from before your time as well, too. The old Simon and Garfunkel, uh instead of Mrs. Robinson, you know, Mr. Robinson, uh cuckoo cao Mr. Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> the Steelers love you more than the Rams do now. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. Uh Omar has kept us busy uh so far. And this this uh this came out of the blue. Obviously, on Tuesday, and uh, pending a physical, uh, former Penn State wide receiver Allen Robinson being traded to the Steelers uh, at a tail end of a Rams fire sale, right? And uh, immediately when that news dropped, ran over and looked at the salary and said, oh yeah, that's that, uh, uh, the $10 million base. And here's the thing about this is, you know, Allen Robinson, they signed him to that big contract, uh, last off season, last March, I think. And even when, when he signed that deal kind of a kind of an eyebrow razor, I remember at the time, uh, thinking, Ooh, that's a pretty steep with some guarantees in there and all like that. Uh, fast forward through last season and, and, Obviously, the Rams had a lot of injuries and just not a great season overall. They ended up uh, after going kind of all in, so to speak, they ended up having to kind of clear out, clear out, you know, some of the mess they had created this past offseason. And, you know, essentially, I I think when you look at this first and foremost, uh, they were over a barrel with Allen Robinson. They wanted him gone by the time the draft started. There was no way they'd already paid him, you know, a little more than $5 million roster bonus back in March. They probably tried to trade him by that time with no success. uh, They kept sinking, you know, more money into him. and, And they got to a point, I think, here with about a week ahead of the draft here where they said, We'll take what, you know, whatever we can kind of get for them, the best deal we can get for them, whatever that thing looks like we want to uh, uh, do because we want to clear up a little bit more salary cap space if we can and just be, 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 be rid of him and. It kind of feels like Omar Khan kind of waited out this situation here. I don't think this happened overnight. Mm -hmm. I think this might've been kind of an ongoing thing here, uh, possibly between the two sides and Omar had a take it or leave it kind of offer on the table here and the Rams said, you know what? That's the best we're getting here. We're going to take it. So long story short, it took about, I don't know, about an hour, I guess, for the, the, the details of this thing to come out. And the Steelers swapped seventh round picks with the, uh, with the Rams. And I think essentially the Steelers moved down 17 spots in the, in, 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 in the seventh round there with, with, uh, one of those picks and, they get Allen Robinson, and they take on just $5 million of that $10 million uh, 2023 salary that Allen Robinson is scheduled to earn. Now, that is a fully guaranteed $5 million. Uh, he comes to the Steelers also with a 2024 year uh, intact, but that's it's not fully guaranteed. None of it's guaranteed. It's a ten million dollar uh uh, uh uh base, I think, with another five million dollar roster bonus next March. He'll he'll be lucky to see that. Overall, there are two voidable years also tacked on to this thing. Should you know for for whatever reason, you should need that. I doubt I doubt Omar Khan will do anything uh, with this, but uh, uh the. The the facts here is you get a veteran wide receiver in that room, and Allen Robinson coming off of a not so great season in which he played ten games and ended up on IR with 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 a foot fracture. There he's had that fixed uh, since then, and it cost you five million dollars to add a slot capable guy, a guy that that's got NFL experience a guy that's moved around in in several different offenses and had some limited success in the league there. Uh, Other than if you want anything, any, any complaint about this at all, there, there there's some people trying to find different ways to poke holes in this. I get it. Uh, I would say if you're going to have a gripe about this at all, it would be that it's a million more than maybe he's worth period.
2: But if that's the biggest issue of a of a trade, then I think overall you feel you know pretty good about it. I do want to just before I get into my thoughts on Robinson, just go back to something from uh, Monday's podcast, an error that I made, and I apologize for it. And you guys brought it to my attention when I was talking about the uh, draft capital to trade up from seventeen to nine. I made reference to you know having to send thirty two and forty nine. That was incorrect on my part. I was thinking about a scenario that night before about a trade up to number five with Seattle. And so I had that on the brain. It would not take 32 and 49 to go up from 17 to 9, probably just take pick number 49. So I wanted to correct that here um off the top of the show. But to go back to Alan Robinson, yeah, I mean, I, I knew that Pittsburgh was not going to trade much for him, just based on the Rams clearly just trying to dump him and whatever salary that they could. But even I thought it'd be more I thought Pittsburgh would have to give up more than what they did, just basically swapping seventh-round picks, and the Rams are retaining so much salary. I'm having a hard time understanding why the Rams wanted to do this. I think maybe to some degree, Robinson was looking to get out, too, and was kind of requesting a trade, and was given permission to to try to seek a different partner, so maybe that had something to do with it, because, I mean, I went through this guy's tape last year. I know you did as well. I know he was hurt, but... His tape, whenever he was playing, it's pretty good. This guy does not feel washed up to me one bit.
1: Well, first and foremost, uh, I think you have to look at the totality of their offseason, the Rams, and, sure. and what has happened. Uh, they're wanting to clean this thing out. They're probably going to want to draft a younger wide receiver uh, in here. Uh, they're, they, they, they're, they kept throwing. They were tired of throwing. Uh, you know it's a sunk cost you know kind of thing here uh if they can recoup 5 5 million in salary cap space at this point and upgrade a seventh round pick instead of the only other the only other option they probably had here was cutting him
2: and they just but they just couldn't keep him I mean they could I, I, I mean obviously they could
1: obviously they could but uh I, I think the writing was on the wall. They were ready to move on from that bad investment that they made. I mean, this guy's okay. not worth $15 million, no. you know, no, he's not. uh, uh, overall. And I, you know, they, they could, they, they're going to have to, they need cap space too, for other things as the off season moves, you know? Right. So, and they're probably going to draft another, you know, they're, they're cleaning up a big mess here, you know, uh, overall. So, uh, I think it's less, I mean, it's obviously about the player, but it's also about moving forward in their organization as well, too.
2: Uh, My my point is his tape is better than what the compensation indicates, which to your point goes into the Rams just trying to clean house and restart this whole thing.
1: Right. They were over the barrel. Why not get what you can get for him Mm -hmm. uh, instead of cutting them out right? You know, look, they, they still have a lot of dead money involved in them, but at least it's five million dollars less, you know, uh by by and then they upgraded a seventh round. pick. so, look, I, I you know, I, I knew as soon as this came out that the Steelers weren't going to work. And, and I made that clear on Twitter that, you know, the Steelers weren't going to inherit the whole 10 million there. Mm-hmm. I just wondered what. What more than anything, what the trade compensation was, because you knew the Steelers weren't going to send a first through a fourth round draft pick to them this year for them, and they right. don't have a fifth or a sixth. And then your mind starts wondering: Well, this team is pawned off fifth round future fifth round draft picks. I thought that maybe this would be inherit like five million dollars or or less in in salary, and then a fifth rounder next year. You know. Same. Uh, that's what I was thinking not long after the, after the trade was reported there. Uh, the fact that you just moved down 17 spots with one of your, one, one of your seventh round draft picks and then you inherit, uh, uh, a $5 million cap charge on them. That's peanuts overall. But once again, if you want to find any, uh, we'll get, we'll get into his tape breakdown here. Um. If you want to find anything, I view him as a three to a four million dollar player value.
2: Okay, and, 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 and it's good above that,
1: and, and and they're giving him five million. So if you want to find anything in my opinion wrong with this deal, then get get yourself worked up into a lather over one million dollars.
2: Getting into his tape. And we have a great post from Jonathan Heistrader breaking down his film room. And he got that up just a couple of hours after the trade uh, was announced. I shouldn't say finalized because as of this recording, it has not been, although maybe it will be by the time people are are tuning into this episode. Um, I think he's got good tape. Now, he's not the, the big play downfield threat. He probably was earlier in his career in Jacksonville whenever he was having 1400 yard type seasons. But this is a guy that can work inside out. Um, played about a third of his snaps in the slot last year and probably will do so even more in Pittsburgh this year. He attacks the football. I think he's a pretty good nuanced route runner. He's got a great release package. He's tough. He's combative in terms of those, you know, over the middle combat catch type situations he can block. Um, You know, he's not a super bursty explosive. The speed's not really there anymore, but I think his tape is just, is rock solid.
1: I think he's a good possession receiver is, 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 my takeaway here. And let me throw some, I went back and watched every, uh, snap of, or every target I should say of his from, uh, from last season, along with looking a little bit at his blocking and stuff like that. Uh, let's see here. I can tell you that 19 of his 33 catches last season came between the numbers. OK, OK, uh, three of those 19 came between the middle of the field hashes. So you got a guy that can work uh, to the inside of the fields. There's a and I'm sure you saw him, there are a couple of nice contested catches, a couple of outside the frame uh, mm-hmm. uh, catches in here. Uh, what do you have one or two drops last year? If that one for sure, maybe two, I think, didn't he?
2: I don't know the exact number. I didn't really see much on tape, but one or two sounds right.
1: Uh, let's see here. What else do I have on him looking at his receptions by route? You ever heard of this thing called a slant?
2: Oh, uh, is, is it a T or soft T? am not sure.
1: Uh, it's <laughs> a, it's, it's a hearty, a slant. Okay, slant, uh, evidently this is a route that receivers run, okay. uh, seven of his catches last year via, and obviously we're having fun here, uh, seven of his catches last year. Seven of the 33 were, were on slant routes, eight on curls. Uh, what's a deep cross too? Uh, <laughs> four receptions on a deep cross, three out route receptions, two digs, two fades, two post. one screen, one over route, uh, one back fade back, back shoulder, uh, one double move, and one broken play receptions. Now they did... Even though these are completions, we threw him a lot of, uh, especially in the red zone, a lot of fades, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And a lot of back shoulder stuff toward the sideline uh, as well, too, if you want to include uh, incompleted passes in this. Uh, You don't see him, uh, once again, you don't see him stretching the field vertically, like down the seam, those kind of things. That's not his game. Uh, I think he has a great feel for zones, and where to settle and where to work uh, uh, inside a zone. So I think that's a plus in there. Once again, I think he's—I uh, think his release is fine. Uh, his initial release, especially against press in short area, I think he can get himself open off the ball that way. He's not going to be a guy that, that wins vertically for you, uh, and I don't think the, the Steelers expect him to do. As you mentioned, he played all over, played played uh, uh the x and played in the slot played out a bunch of formations those kind of things uh in there uh he's not going he's not a a high yak guy i don't think he really ever has been mm-hmm. uh i think maybe in college a lot of his jack if i remember correctly were a lot of the shorter passes where he was able to break break free uh, on those so yeah you had, you had
2: the report on him way right. back when a decade ago right and, right. and do you remember his tape but I, I know it, it it doesn't matter that much a decade ago but what his penn state tape was like uh
1: a lot of a, a lot of not uh i didn't like a lot of the way he he body caught and i think he's cleaned all, some of that up in at the nfl level i, I remember notating some body catches i remember some uh, uh, body control kind of issues. And I think some of that's still kind of evident on those deep, deep back shoulder kind of, uh, down the sideline type stuff. I think some of those things are still, still evident. He's not going to be a guy that catches a lot of balls more than 12 yards past the light of scrimmage, especially outside the numbers. I don't think, right. but, uh, uh, I think you can still use them for some fade type stuff inside the red zone. I think he's good in short area stuff inside the red zone. Uh, he's just not going to be a guy that's going to deliver you a lot of explosive plays period.
2: Sure. Not anymore. He was that guy earlier in his career average, 17 yards per catch his sophomore season. Not that guy anymore. He's going to work short. He's going to work intermediate. As you say, he's going to find soft spot against zone work, leverage, create space at the break point um, with some of the nuance in his route running. But not going to be an overly twitchy explosive run away from a bunch of guys bust off the the 60yard run kind of a thing so um really in in, in a couple of words he's kind of an, an older juju in terms of the way that juju was used his last couple of years in Pittsburgh more so yeah minus the yak um but but I'm talking like you know the last couple of years and, and maybe not quite as tough physical you know push the pile forward but but in that similar vein in terms of possession type um, you know nuanced player has size can block um, will attack the football i mean there's just some some baseline similarities there and i
1: think he's going to be good for that room overall right because you got uh, two second year receivers and george pickens and and calvin austin the third uh we'll see what what this ends up uh uh doing to the draft we'll have that conversation here in a moment uh but this to me is a guy and look I, he's not gonna play a thousand snaps for you right mm-hmm Uh, He's probably going to be anywhere from if he stays healthy from, I don't know, five, maybe five to 600 snaps, probably, probably ceiling with him. Uh, I think uh, he can be a 45 to 50 catch guy, maybe for you as a ceiling. Uh, And I think that you hope for uh, somewhere around a 10 to 12 yards per reception as a, as a high end number for him as well.
2: Yeah, and work in red zone. Improve this red zone offense. You got you got a lot of size for for inside the twenty now with Friermuth and George Pickens and and now Allen Robinson and yeah, you beefed up this offensive line and the run game should be better. You got you know big guys in Najee Harris and so got a lot of size hopefully for some low red zone action. The the point that you just made I think is a really critical in underrated one and I, I have my terrible take about this today in terms of what Robinson will hopefully bring the locker room, the wide receiver room, a veteran, 29 years old, going into his 10th year, you know, has been at the highest, to highs, you know, some great seasons, some tough seasons, injury, dealing with poor quarterback play, frustrations, you know, good times and bad. And so I, I know that the receiver room that Pittsburgh had with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, there's experience, there are snaps there. And Deontay was trying to assume that leadership role last season, but I really think getting a veteran like Robinson, who has a good pedigree. Can show these guys, especially Pickens, especially you know Calvin Austin. Just you know the way to go about things um, because he has the the pedigree, the resume to to warrant being listened to is going to be really critical for that room. So it will take Robinson some time. Obviously, you get acclimated with the system and get comfortable before you can really be an effective leader. But just having that veteran guy, something I've wanted this team to do all off season, didn't think I was going to get my wish, and now I have with the addition. Uh, of Allen Robinson.
1: Kind of a Jericho Cotri feel to it a little bit.
2: A little bit, yeah. I mean, just in terms of like where they're going to win and how they're going to be using this offense, I think body types are a bit different. You know, Ro- I'm Robinson's talking like leadership. Too. Guy. Yeah, yeah, leadership for sure. Um, but I think even for Robinson, be, like, because he's this high end guy that's had some great NFL seasons before, you really come in with that strong resume of, hey, I've done this before. I've had these really high end, elite number type years. And so, you know, people should listen to me. Or watch me work and those kinds of things. So um that that's one part of the trade. It's it's a smaller part, but I think it's a really important one to tie that room together.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and what this allows you to do is continue to bring Calvin Austin the third uh, along slowly, you know. Uh you can you can mix and match these guys as slot guys specifically. If you, if, uh, at some point now he's not going to be nuanced to just slot. I don't think, I mean, he's played, played some X you can move some, you got a guy that's versatile, versatile, that's been in several different offenses that knows the route trees that knows concepts that allows you to take all those guys that, that are currently, uh, on this roster and move them around how you seem fit.
2: And I got to give you credit because for a while, I've kind of wrestled with you know, what kind of potential slot receiver type will they look towards. And, and you're right, Robinson's not going to be just a slot guy. They're going to move all these guys around. They're all pretty versatile. But I thought maybe they weren't going to go with a bigger slot option, a rotational guy, because you do wonder about how he's going to fit in with some of the orbit motion and jet sweeps and, and the things that Matt Canada was doing last year. But Obviously, they have a plan in place and maybe that'll be more of Calvin Austin's job and less so what Alan Robinson does. Maybe Deontay does, does that a bit more than what uh, Allen Robinson does. So, you know, getting that big slot type, I didn't know if that was going to be the guy that they wanted. It's a guy that I think fits well, um, but obviously it's the guy they're going after.
1: Yeah, look, uh, I, is this a huge needle mover addition for the team overall? Uh, do, do, do we start? Scheduling the parade or anything like hmm. that, no. But uh, uh, to me, for for the for the cost and and, and what they had to give up, it's a it, to me it's a good addition uh, to the room. And now let's move forward and talk a little. Do you have any? I mean, uh, we as far as his blocking goes, probably. I mean, he's ranked top ten for on PFF from last season in something like a hundred and. 30 or something runs, run blocking snaps or more league wide. He finished in the top 10 of that. Uh, I didn't come away thinking you got Heinz Ward here. <laughs> uh, I think it was more than adequate, though. I mean, you, the Steers obviously, you know, have a you know, like their wide receivers to be physical uh, in in the blocking game, especially those guys that can play in in, in the Y and stuff like that. Uh, It's more than evident there. He's a more than willing blocker. He knows how to stalk. He knows how to uh, crack down. Uh, The effort is really, really there. Uh, Calling him a top 10 blocking wide receiver in the NFL overall might be a little rich overall from what I saw last season alone, but, I don't know top 15 top 20 I I I can be twisted into that uh quite easily. So uh I I think that's an aspect that this team needs as well too, especially if they're going to try to run the football uh more effectively in 2023. So I like that aspect of this game uh as well. Uh once again, d- doesn't look like he's got a huge drop history uh route running. You know, the biggest thing is 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 is, is can he get past this this foot fracture from last season, you know?
2: Right. And if there is one kind of concern, Pittsburgh's added some of these guys that are coming off injuries, especially foot injuries, Cole Holcomb and now Allen Robinson and might have been somebody else coming off of IR that I can't think of right now. But uh, yeah, just a couple last thoughts on Robinson. A, I think another reason why Pittsburgh made this move, which really surprised me, but maybe it shouldn't have because it's wide receiver class. There's some depth to it, but it's not a particularly great wide receiver class and with other needs to to address on this team and corner offensive line safety defensive line etc. You know, put those resources elsewhere, although we'll probably discuss about how this changes the landscape of the, the position when it comes to the draft here in a moment. Other thought too, and, and this was kind of the running joke throughout Robinson's career, just he was always playing with bad quarterbacks, guys that were struggling, guys that were young, guys that didn't pan out, whether you're talking Blake Bortles in Jacksonville, Mitch Trubisky and Andy Dalton, Nick Foles in Chicago. Finally goes to the Rams last year. You think, okay, he's going to get to play with Matthew Stafford. Stafford's hurt. Robinson's hurt. They got Walford and Perkins and all those guys in there. Just never had that good situation of a good offense, good quarterback play. Obviously, Pittsburgh's offense has to ascend and be much better than what it was last year. But, you know, Kenny Pickett, not that he's, you know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes yet, but hopefully it's going to be some of the most consistent, steady, known quarterback play that Robinson has truthfully really ever had in his career.
1: Did you get the feel watching that tape from last season that that the quarterback was under pressure so much and there were, I mean it just uh, and even Stafford uh, a lot of these throws, a lot of these incomplete it wasn't hot. there were a lot of low quality uh, throws and timing issues it felt like uh, uh, when it came from even Stafford to Robinson last year.
2: Yeah, it was not a of fun offense to watch, and I was just—I was going to make the joke when you said you went through all of his targets. That's probably a painful experience to go watch that offense last year. I'm yeah, sure especially
1: was, but, with uh, the way NFL Game Pass is set up now.
2: Oh God, on Game Pass, yeah, that's like a—you a, should get a medal or something for that. That is a a, a chore for sure. Yeah, so, what I,
1: what I had to do is is in, in in the old days you could search by last name and pull up pull up the running list of plays and fly I through. Forgot a, about
2: that. How re- nice was remember that? Remember that. Why they take that stuff away from us? I don't
1: thing? know. You know, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. It, but it's because look, we have access. You know, we have several different accesses to 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 all twenty-two. But you know, other than pulling up each game in, in a regular all twenty-two file, you know, you don't just click on a link and go to the play. The only way you can mm-hmm. still do that is go to NFL Game Pass, and then so what I had to do is I had to pull all the targets, all the play-by-play targets uh, and put them in an Excel file. And then I had to go by game by game and find the time to hit play.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that is, that is not a fun experience. So thank you for, for doing all that. And I charted,
1: I charted all that yesterday as well too. (laughs) So, uh, it may, but thankfully we have such a great crew at steersdepot.com right now. It affords me time to do, do, do projects like that. But, uh,
2: 15 years ago, you weren't doing that right. Uh, 15 years later, here we are.
1: Yeah, but uh was able to go through and look at all of his targets last year, but uh, that offense was a mess, plain and simple, uh, last year. So, uh, And he only played in 10 games. Thank God he didn't play in six, <laughs> six, 16, 17 games and have uh, 30 more and more targets. I'd still be doing this right now. But uh, I think for what he was asked to do when the offense that he was in and uh, overall – you know, I, I don't i don't think his tape was awful last year
2: yeah when i went in just knowing okay he's had the foot issue and the compensation is so light i just thought the tape was going to be a lot worse and obviously again he's not going to be the big play guy that he was he's not going to take the top off he's not going to work the vertical game that much outside of the fades and the back shoulder throws um where i think again he really tracks and attacks the football well but he's not going to run the nine route and stack receipt or stack corners and and get the 50 yard completion. But working you know, all three not, working, I should say, more short, intermediate, and on some of those fades that are a bit more of the vertical nature, he's gonna win in that in that way. Um, he's gonna, you know, be a good safety valve for Kenny Pickett. He's gonna get open, he's gonna run solid routes, he's gonna bring leadership, like you know, nothing here that I'm seeing that's a big red flag, assuming that he's gonna be fully recovered from that foot injury, which occurred in what November last year. Still got a couple of months to get ready. He should be good for for, for training camp.
1: And look, we need to see the Yak go up uh, across the board in this offense in 2023. And he's a guy that not a great history of Yak uh, either, but uh, you've, gotta, you've got to you got you got to get the ball to it like their other receivers. You got to get the ball to them out in space. Uh, overall, uh, you can run you can run these slot fades with him and stuff like that. I'd like I, I, ball placement will will probably need to be damn near perfect with him when it comes to some of these slot fades more towards the sidelines. You know, uh, overall, I don't, I don't think that's a specialty of his. Overall, and and you're probably not going to see a lot of that. Uh, and hopefully you won't have to uh, run a lot of that kind of stuff through him, but he can do it. And in the end zone, he seems to have his, 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 his most success when you do kind of run those, uh, 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 you know, those kind of those fades and all, which already, you know, technically isn't a high percentage throw on to, to start with.
2: Yeah, but he plays big and he's got good size. And so you have two above the rim capable guys in the low red zone and Robinson and Pickens. And so, you know, you're going to be able to to win some of those 1v1 matchups. And so maybe the teams have a corner that can, you know, contest with Pickens. But do you have two corners that can contest with Pickens and Robinson? Now, you probably don't. And so that's going to be advantage Pittsburgh.
1: All right. 30 minutes on Robinson and, and his acquisition and his tape. Now let's uh, move forward to... What does it mean (laughs) when it comes to the draft now, Alex?
0: Are you tired of hiding your smile? Maybe it's time to get some help from G4 by Goldpaw. Their talented technicians specialize in creating brand new permanent teeth in just 24 hours. With as few as four titanium implants, you can enjoy a fully customized bridge for your upper and or lower set of teeth. You can have peace of mind knowing that the G4's experienced lab technicians have designed more than 15,000 new smiles. You can have a new smile that looks, feels, and functions just like natural teeth. Patients from all over the world travel to G4 to get their permanent smiles in just 24 hours and change their lives forever. Booking an appointment has never been easier. Simply visit yourteeth.com today and schedule your appointment with G4 by Goldpa. Mention this podcast when you book to save $1,000. So what are you waiting for? Get ready to show off your new, confident smile with G4 by Gopa. Visit yourteeth.com today and start your journey to a new, permanent smile in just 24 hours. G4 by Gopa. powered by technology, inspired
2: by patience. What, what, a, what, what's
1: your initial thoughts?
2: He, well, A, he better pass that physical so we didn't yeah. waste all this time talking about this stuff, but I imagine that, that that'll be okay. Yeah, my, my first thought was, and I still pretty much subscribe to it that you know receiver I, I was thinking before the robinson trade mid-round receivers kind of the guys they were looking at in terms of the visitors they brought in charlie jones from purdue Jaden reed from michigan state jonathan mingo i think although mingo is going to go probably higher than those other guys um but i was thinking probably third fourth round on a slot capable receiver now i'm thinking you know probably not on that gonna be later day three seventh round pick, if if that but it's just going to be a one-year thing for Robinson, in all likelihood. Right. As you laid out, you know, contractually, they're not going to. What's the number owed next year for Robinson? Like fifteen million. Yeah. It's like William Jackson. It's a one-year thing. It's not. Uh, it, it's buying to rent, or it's trading to rent, not not to buy and hold. So, you know, could you still draft a receiver because you're going to need somebody next year, in all likelihood. It's still possible, but I just think with the other needs with the maybe a weaker receiver class and and focuses elsewhere, you know you can't rule anything out based on the board based on value, but I think it probably drops receivers still from mid rounds to late round or bring in a couple undrafted guys.
1: I think what this does is it allows you now now look, if you have in in let's say the third or fourth round. Uh, let's say you have two guys, two, two wide receivers that you just can't, that, that you just can't pass them up, you know, uh, that, 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 that meet and regardless of what they do, in other words, can, can they play? Are they our primary X? Are they a primary slot? Uh, are they, are they, are they, are they uh, extremely positional, ver, uh, versatile, and all like that. I would imagine now that that they've got it narrowed down, much like your what the Steelers look for post that went up today. Congratulations. I get a kick out of these. I love them.
2: Uh, Not great uh, timing, though. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, regardless, uh, well, I think it plays into what we're talking about here. Okay. Uh, uh, I think if you have, let's say, two guys – in, in, in the third, fourth round, maybe a, 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 a read out of Michigan State, maybe a Jonathan Mingo uh, out of Ole Miss. Uh, two guys that you think, man, these guys can be the future. They'll, they'll need to be brought. A, we can bring them along a little slower here. Uh, maybe they can give you some special, you know, a little bit of special teams work as as rookie they'll learn from a great guy like uh, like Allen Robinson and obviously uh, uh, Deontay Johnson, stuff like that. You don't have to just pick the position just to pick pick the position is what I'm what I'm getting at here uh overall. Now my big picture thought and my initial thought overall is man, they, they might not draft a wide receiver at all. But I, I've kind of backed after watching Robinson's tape and looking at, you know, knowing that he's probably gonna be a one year guy, I'm more I, I'm more subscribed to what 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 kind of your I think your global takeaway here is. If you get in the seventh round there and you got a guy that can move around, uh, maybe give you uh, some some special team snaps, a guy that you think maybe has a, a nice ceiling to him, that's more likely when you would take one here
2: sure and really seventh round you know last couple of picks you're not you're not addressing needs you're not saying what do we need you know you're just saying what's talent what's available what guys do you think you think we have to draft because we probably won't get them as undrafted free agents and so that's kind of the mentality you take in that seventh round i don't know who that guy would be pittsburgh's really not looked at any any late round receivers in terms of their their pre-draft visit list again it was really concentrated towards the mid-round type of guys so i would just say you know Broadly speaking, if they do take a receiver, it's going to be day three, fourth round at the earliest, but probably more likely something in the seventh round if they do at all. Um, just because you have your top four, and now went Deontay and Pickens and Robinson and Calvin Austin, Anthony Miller's in the mix, maybe Miles Boykin resigns, maybe an undrafted guy ends up emerging, something like that. One of these future contracts at Des Patrick, whoever, um, probably gives you enough depth Depth and comfort that you feel like you don't have to put a receiver in there who's going to be kind of buried in your number one.
1: All right, let me tell you what my hope is now. <laughs> okay. Oh <laughs> well, well, first and foremost, uh, go go through your what the what the students look for in wide receiver uh, post that you put up today.
2: Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Only two receivers checked every single box, and our criteria had only slightly changed just to uh, increase the forty time from four five seven to four five five after the Pickens in Austin. Uh, draft picks last year, but only two receivers in this class of combine invites checked every single box. Ronnie Bell from Michigan and Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss. And so when I made this pre-Robinson trade, I went, okay, that seems to really be fitting. They brought him in for a visit, probably looking a lot less likely on Mingo right now. Many receivers were just one box away, including some guys Pittsburgh has shown interest in, and Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia, Jaden Reed from Michigan State, and Charlie Jones from Purdue. But again, I'm guessing, and we'll see, but I'm guessing. They're going to look towards more, more later round guys. And so this is probably less interesting, less useful than what it was 24 hours ago. But those are the numbers.
1: I still think though, if they do draft a wide receiver, it'll come from several of those names that you just rattled off there.
2: Yeah. I mean, so you're talking still only be third, fourth round.
1: uh, Well, or, or, or or where's Charlie Jones going to go at
2: in this thing? He's what, probably what's a fourth, fifth round guy. If I had to guess, I don't know for sure. I would okay. say fourth, fifth round on Charlie Jones. I mean, yeah. could, I think receivers do get traditionally pushed down. So sometimes guys fall and he's a bit lighter than one year production. So, you know, could he be, I, if Pittsburgh would require a fifth, six round pick. There's that also that hunter,
1: 100 hunter catch criteria too, that we talked about in the past. as Well, too, you know, uh, how, how many career receptions does does, does Charlie Jones have coming out?
2: I mean, he had a big year last year. I think again, basically he transferred a couple times. I can look at his exact numbers. Um, you know, he was a big part of that Purdue. They, they passed a ton at Purdue. I was watching the quarterback, Aiden O'Connell last night. Uh, Jones caught 110 balls last year. All right, he, he crossed it. Career. Yeah. So, uh, it does hit that, but probably I'm thinking more for fifth round on Charlie Jones. And,
1: and what are you thinking on, uh, and Bryce Ford Wheaton is a guy I keep coming. back. There's two guys that I keep coming back to myself, uh, if you're talking early round or later rounds, uh, the middle round guy I've talked about, obviously is Jonathan Mingo, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, the later round guy I'm having a hard time kind of gauge where he might go would be Bryce Ford Wheaton. Yeah. And and Bryce Ford Wheaton more now because you don't have to be so slot specific, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because he did play a lot of the X, you know, uh, and, and he probably better if he can make the transition. Well, he's he'd probably be a you know, uh, would transition much better into a big slot at the NFL level,
2: you know, yeah, or Z type that runs right. vertically and, and catches some jump balls contested, maybe.
1: But right. I don't know where I don't know
2: where he's even going to go. I, I mean, don't just, either. Who's, who's going to bet on the traits? How early was somebody bet on the traits? You know, again, that might be. Fourth round on Ford. Weakness, kind of my my guess, but it really could vary because the the traits are better than I think what what the tape suggests.
1: All right, uh, I I you know I think that if they do draft the wide receiver, it's going to be one that we've mentioned a time or two over the over, throughout this draft process here.
2: Of that list of names from the one box away, in terms of guys that you know, if you're talking maybe later seventh round, I could potentially see. I'll just throw out one of those names here: Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. He just missed in the weight by a couple of pounds. Late round guy, big play guy with the Bearcats. Um, you know, they looked at Ritter so much last year. Maybe Scott kind of got their their attention mm-hmm. then. Um, so just to throw that out, there's maybe a, a potential. I'm not even entirely sure where he's going to go, but maybe he slips into the seventh round. Um, that could be a possibility.
1: And this is a kind of a, once again, this wide receiver class, not not top heavy, right? But okay throughout.
2: Yeah, it's definitely not top heavy. There's some decent depth, but it's not as strong a class as we've seen the last couple of years.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, anything and else? Maybe Scott.
2: And I'm looking. Ahead. Scott actually might end up going higher. I'm kind of seeing some of the numbers on him, so I might I might be off on that. i, might, I might, There's there's two Cincinnati receivers. I might be thinking of the other one. So I'm not really sure who from that list, um, you know, would would qualify in terms of late round options. Who
1: is that other uh, kid that they were? Uh, we're bringing in, we're going to bring in, uh, Oh, where's the list at? Who, who were the wide receivers they brought in?
2: Uh, it was Mingo, Charlie Jones, Jaden Reed, Ford Wheaton. I think that was the four. There was no reported scheduled guy that didn't end up coming in to my knowledge.
1: Where was the, what was the one? Was it a North Carolina state kid or,
2: uh, Bayer Thomas at his pro day when they met. With yeah,
1: him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's probably more undrafted. Yeah. Late yeah. that's a late round undrafted guy.
1: Late, late, late. That that was the one I was trying to think of. What school was that? Uh a- NC State. You're NC right. NC State. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, uh, uh anything else to add about wide receivers here while we're talking about it.
2: I guess just one last look at the list in terms of the one box away. Antoine Green from UNC. Um, you know, he's a guy that had some injuries, late bloomer, uh height weight speed kind of guy. Kind of like Ford Wheaton, not quite as freaky, but kind of in that similar mold, contest catch, back shoulder type of guy. I put a, a late day three grade on him. But anyway, so so pushing off of that uh, with the receivers, again, if it does happen, if you, if you made me answer that question, how does this impact where Pittsburgh may take a receiver? I would say day three, if at all.
1: All right. Uh, with, with maybe the less likelihood of a wide receiver going in the top four rounds to the Steelers now. Might I interest you in a blocking tight end? i And I guess we'll use that as a kind of a segue a little bit to talk about the pre-draft visitors that the students had in on Tuesday.
2: Yeah, the final three came in. And we know that for a fact because no visitors are coming in today. That's the report, uh, which they really can't because they're at their 30 unless somebody was coming in locally. So we know the complete list of 30 names, which is very exciting. First time that's happened in a in, in several seasons. So the three who visited yesterday, the two Darnells, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, the offensive tackle, and Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia. And also I'm, I'm quarter- going to need to
1: take a break, take a shower again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then also quarterback Clayton Toon from Houston. And so it was Toon, Wright, and Washington. Obviously, the attention here is being paid to Darnell Wright, you know, potential looking likely first round. And you thought he pick- might
1: be brought in.
2: I was thinking it didn't make sense that he wasn't being brought in because of the interest. Because I knew that this guy had a ton of visits lined up. I was like, "Where? What is going on with this guy?" So that that kind of validated that thought. And then Washington, you know, we've talked about that you and I, you know, on live streams and in emails, so much. And I thought, "Oh, they've not shown a lot of interest there, but the visit happens, and it's like, okay, is this is this for real? Does this have a real chance of of occurring?"
1: Well, what's your thoughts on on the possibility of that happening now?
2: I mean, you can't discount it now. I think, A, you bring that guy in just because he's so unique to this class. Even though it is a really strong tight end class, there's really nobody built or who plays like Washington does. Uh, you have more of the receiver types and, you know, you Luke Musgraves or Dalton Kincaids. You know, Mayor's a more well-rounded guy, but he's not the, the freaky size, length, blocker type that Washington is. And so you guys know that I... Be a big fan of Washington. I took him in my um, mock off season. I did, you know, back before the the new league year began. I think it'd be a great fit if you want to really commit to that run heavy, bully ball type of offense. So, you know, thirty two for Washington. If he's sitting there, I, I I would not be mad. I'd be extremely happy about that.
1: What's what's uh what's the floor on him as far as round or or, or pick number? Any chance he's he's there with their second second round pick?
2: At forty nine. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, the the production is not overwhelmingly good. They played in the run first offense. They got the other tight end there. I think his name is Brock Bowers, who's going to probably be a slam dunk first round tight end whenever he becomes eligible. Um, but I, you know, I, I think thirty two is kind of where I'm feeling it with Darnell Washington.
1: All right, would and that wouldn't. If you're like me, that probably wouldn't hurt your feelings, would it?
2: No. Um. Again, I mean, obviously because Pittsburgh's theme of the offseason has been to to get more physical up front, to get bigger, to to have to play that run oriented brand of football. That was the identity they were discovering and kind of leaning into last year. Now you're trying to add the the right personnel around that, Uh, you know, Gentry's brought back, but it's a one year type deal and it's not going to prevent this team from doing something if they wanted to draft somebody like a Darnell Washington. So uh, I'd be all for it.
1: Uh, Alfredo was not at that Georgia pro day though, right?
2: Correct. He was not.
1: Okay. I and look, when I'm talking about this team adding a tight end, I'm wanting one that I can use. I think they need one that they could use as in, 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 in 12 personnel specifically. Uh, right, you know, not basically an upgrade over Zach Gentry.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Gentry has the size, and but I, I, I made mention several times, I think his blocking was not nearly as good as it was. in in 2022 as it was in 2021. And so you saw a step step back there. And so, I mean, Washington doesn't, you know, he's not quite as tall, I guess, but I mean, in terms of like inline blocker, you're not going to find a a tight end in terms of like first, second round caliber that good really ever. I mean, he's a really unique kind of guy.
1: And when it comes to those kind of tight ends that we're talking about, there's really only three or four, maybe five in this class that, you would think that they would have interest in.
2: Yeah, and the other guys again—you like got late round guys. You always get a couple late round tight ends that can block and got that Schoenbacker
1: in there in the middle round guy yeah, now. And, and that's and, true. And Alfredo Roberts was at that Michigan Pro Day.
2: True, but in the past game, like can he make the place the Washington can? And in Washington, it's not this you know crazy vertical threat, but just in terms of break tackle, run people over. I think he's a good athlete. You see him in the, in the Oregon game hurdling Christian Gonzalez. I mean, this guy's got some. Some pretty freaky plays, obviously tested off the charts, um, you know, just just in terms of overall makeup. It's just he's kind of a one on one player, even in a, in a deep tight end class. And
1: then the other ones that we've talked about were Koontz and the uh, North Dakota State kid, right?
2: Yeah. And then you're getting into some later round stuff. And is Koontz even regarded as a good blocker? I truly don't know. I have not. I, I mean, it's
1: case. not. he, And that's why I view him more as a late round guy. I think he's okay. a more one to one comparison on on with maybe a, a, a better ceiling, a slightly better ce- ceiling than Gentry.
2: Okay. He seemed like a traits guy, athletic guy, but just like pretty raw and kind of still a lot to work right. on as you're kind of alluding to. So, yeah, you know, Washington's that unique body. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's possible. And again, and Pittsburgh's identity has been built around running deck out of the football being physical kind of counterculture to all these high flying passing attacks. And Washington would be, a very good step in that direction, knowing that's the direction Pittsburgh wants to go ahead
1: of this draft ahead of this trade happening with Robinson. I, I, you know, as much as I would uh, have would like to see the Steelers get a, get a blocking tight end in those first four rounds. I didn't, I, I didn't like the probability of it. I think the probability has
2: gone up now. Yeah. But if it is going to be one, then I guess Schoonmaker in like, where, where where is he projected to go like, uh, probably third probably third or fourth yeah i would okay. think okay um yeah, we'll see i mean i just it's one of those things we'll have to to throw in it's kind of a last second curveball for us to consider
1: All right. and you know good to see him bring uh uh the other darnell in uh, as stated so they've they've actually now had a couple of tackles in now uh uh we're talking about uh what does all of this maybe mean and, and let's throw back in some of the peter king speculation that steers uh might consider you know trading up read into whatever that should could whatever you will uh i did find myself kind of coming or, or or coming to the side now that i guess it's not impossible that this team go up and maybe not necessarily go get Carter like what a lot of the the, the speculation has been but maybe somebody like a Paris Johnson now does that yeah. does that open up does does this acquisition of Robinson maybe and who knows for sure does it slightly increase the probability i guess is where i'm going at
2: Maybe I don't think. Obviously, I don't think this trade happened with that idea necessarily in mind. But it doesn't um, open
1: you up more to the possibility. of sure, it, it
2: doesn't. It doesn't decrease it. I'll tell you that much. That that's obvious. Uh, I've said for a while this team it was going to trade up. It would be a. I thought I thought it was more likely they would trade up than trade down both on the table. But I just because Omar Khan has been really aggressive this mm-hmm. off season, and I know that Robinson ultimately it's not like a big risky move to make, but it's still going out there and being aggressive and you know, retooling this, this roster in a lot of different ways and in, in, in his vision. Um, and so that theme may continue. He's talked about, you know, if there's a guy we want, we're not going to be afraid to go get him. Um, and and we'll see if, you know, that ultimately comes true, but short answer is, yeah, I think there's a chance they would trade up. And I think it would be for a tackle, whether that's a Paris Johnson or a Broderick Jones, uh, who they also brought in for a visit earlier this week, that those would kind of be the guys. If you wanted that, you know, potential stud, hopefully franchise left tackle.
1: Okay. All right, and Clayton Tune, we knew for a while that he'd be coming in. Boy, uh, that that'd make you look uh, smart two years in a row. I mean, you you could you could really see this team taking a seventh round quarterback, right?
2: I could, especially again if that model for undrafted free agents has not changed. If they do not pay out partial base salary guarantees and only signing bonuses, you will not get one of the better undrafted quarterbacks that way because they all get paid. Uh, you know, partial base salary guarantee. Carson Strong, a good example of that last year, I think he got like 250000 you know, guaranteed in, as as part of his base salary. So if Pittsburgh knows that that they're going to keep that old kind of antiquated model and they want that third quarterback and they do need that third quarterback, they could take, you know, tune if he were to slip. I think maybe Hall from BYU has a better chance to go a bit later or somebody else. So Max Duggan. Um, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson, I don't know if he's going to make it quite to the seventh round, although it's possible, it's tough to judge with those late round quarterbacks. So, um, still keeping that idea of a seventh round quarterback in mind because I think it's a real possibility. All right. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, just to go back to Darnold, right. You know, if, if they don't trade up for a tackle, you know, I think I know that Tomlin Khan not at that pro day, but they've shown a lot of interest in right, you know, Widele being there, Pat Meyer being there. So I'm at the senior bowl. He had a good week down there. You know, it's really tested well throughout this process. He's got experience. He's got versatility. I know he's you know, kind of viewed as that right tackle. And it's a little bit messier in terms of how you make the pieces fit with a right tackle than a left tackle in Pittsburgh. But I mean, they're really checking those boxes on Darnell Wright.
1: I think Brian Baldinger has Wright as his top tackle.
2: He does. He's had a Trent Williams comparison, which to me felt a little rich. I don't think that Wright is quite as athletic on the field. I know the testing might reflect that. I don't think in terms of watching their balance and coordination in space, I don't think it's Trent Williams, but yeah, Baldy's a big fan of his game.
1: And I think he has Paris Johnson as his fourth. Ooh. And he even thinks that he might be on the board at 17.
2: Yeah. Who mocked somebody just put Paris Johnson to 17 in the mock, I think yesterday, I think Broderick Jones could fall too. the thing with Johnson and Jones is They're more limited bodies of work. They're one-year starters. I was going back through Broderick Jones tape the other day, and actually early in that season, he was being rotated a bit at left tackle with Warren McClendon because they were trying to figure out who was going to be their starting offensive line. And so, you know, Johnson and Jones, they're really good athletes. They have upside, but there is, you know, one-year starting experience kind of working against them. Whereas with guys like Wright, you know, you're seeing a bigger, broader body of work to judge.
1: And then obviously there's Skronsky with, with, within all that.
2: Did Baldy have Skronsky part of tackles Did he have him ranked on that list. Do you recall?
1: I know he had uh day one. He had day one Jones fifth. I think, I think it was Paris Johnson. I'm, I'm trying to remember who he had second. He would have had to have uh Skronsky second, I think.
2: Yeah. Unless he was counting him as a guard, but probably kept him with, with the tackles for that list. Um, but yeah, I think Wright is a, is a good system fit because he's got the heavy hands. He's got the, the, you know, good length overall, a really strong punch, buries his sets. Like a lot of the things that Pat Meyer coaches and teaches, you're seeing on, on Darnell Wright's tape. The question is just, you know, could you try him a left tackle? Do you feel like he's a right tackle? There were the rumors from Jeremy Fowler a couple months ago that Pittsburgh might see him more as a guard. And if they see him as a guard, And it's really hard to justify that at 17. So those are kind of the questions with Darnell Wright.
1: Uh, is this tackle class as we get to the final stages of this, is it, is this a case of it just being uh, a saltine and you try to treat it like it's a Ritz? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. in other words, it, uh, my, my, my feeling on this and is just that, and this goes back to what we said just recently on the live stream as well, too. Uh, this class overall is just to me. I mean, just overall, this draft class is just not as exciting as, as previous ones. And I, I, the, the, the tackle class just to me doesn't come off as all that great.
2: It's again, like the whole class in general, the tackle class does not have like the stud clear, you know, top three, top five type pick. And so I'm with you there, but even if it did like for Pittsburgh, it wouldn't matter if there was a guy that was going to go fifth overall, Pittsburgh's not getting that guy. So I'm almost in some sense, happy the tackle class is a bit more muddy because it might drop some of those names and give Pittsburgh some options at 17. So yeah, I think you're right overall. And I think the tackle, I think it was a clear tier one that drops off pretty quickly. Um, and then once you get into the second tier, you know, kind of run out of names pretty quickly. So you know, it, it's not the best class ever, but I think there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of youth and upside uh, with some of these young guys, like Johnson, like Jones, like Anton Harrison, some guys that are, are you know, 21 years old that hopefully the best footballs ahead of them.
1: Was it Brandon Bean yesterday during his press conference that said there's only like well, 17 first round grade guys or something like that? I forgot to go back and listen to that.
2: I didn't see the number. I just saw the quote that he said it's not great when it comes to first round talent. And I think he's accurate about that. You know, receivers not that strong. D lines not incredibly strong. You know, you got quarterbacks, but outside of that, you're not really having a lot of big heavy hitters at other positions.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, where 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 to now?
2: Well, let me just ask you, and I don't want you to give away the game in terms of where your head is at for your final, uh, you know, mock and final predictions, but. Has any of this changed your thoughts on the direction Pittsburgh will go at pick 17 and anything that's happened over the last 48 hours? I think
1: going, and I mentioned this the other day on, uh, on either the podcast or the live stream, whichever one. I, I, I still go back to the re-signing of Larry Joby and the deal that they gave him uh, that's kind of formed some thoughts with me as far as defensive line goes early. I think they could still take one, obviously, in this draft. I'm I'm not so convinced that they will they will go one in the first round. Uh the only other thing that's really kind of changed my thoughts was 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 the acquisition of Robinson, obviously. I mean, I didn't think that this team was going to go wide receiver with their first round pick, uh, and, and really not possibly not even their second round pick, but I was kind of convinced that they might go wide receiver in the third or fourth round. I'm not so convinced now. Uh, with sure. that, so I mean, my my general consensus for a while uh, has been uh, tackle or cornerback in the first round. I think.
2: Same, yeah, that's basically where I'm at as well. With, but with t- Brian
1: Brzee being a huge, huge wild card, w- there's two kind of wild card guys that that I'm that I'm that I'm struggling with here at 17 overall. Uh, actually, maybe maybe three. Uh, Brazil, just because I think they'd like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Branch, Brian Branch, because man, they need that position. Uh, and the third player would be Darnell Wright because I'm struggling with the fit.
2: With Branch, where's the struggle there in terms of what might be he- making you hesitant to believe or think or want him to be the pick at 17?
1: I'm, ge- I'm getting more caught up with the. With the with the athleticism more so than the tape.
2: Okay, and I do think there is that size concern at a buck ninety to play a lot of strong safety. I think he does play bigger. I think his hit power is tremendous for the frame, but there is the question about doing that and playing in the box, you know, a third of the time and holding up consistently at the NFL level. Right. But I do like his tape a whole lot, and that's a guy that I I
1: like his tape. I'm just struggling with everything else outside of that.
2: I understand that. So, yeah, to answer my own question, I'm still really muddied on in terms of what's going to happen at 17. Assuming they stay there, I'm largely with you, corner or tackle. Then it gets into the game of okay, what corners will be there? What tackles will be there? You know, do they want a right tackle? Or they just look at a left tackle. I really don't know at that point. Right. In but terms I mean, of the
1: the, the the acquisition of Robinson, does shift some things for me though.
2: Gotcha. In terms of the, we now know the four names that reportedly had visits scheduled and either they didn't happen or they were misreported. So let's kind of go through those names briefly. That was uh, Daywan Jones, the offensive tackle from Ohio State. Jervon Dexter, the defensive lineman from Florida. Keely Ringo, the corner from Georgia. And Emmanuel Forbes, the corner from Mississippi State. And so those are the four we can confirm Did not come in because we know the whole 30. I mean, there's no questions unless there's happens to be a local guy that we don't know. But I'm pretty sure that we've done our research in terms of nobody being Western PA kid that we don't happen to know about. So we know the 30. We know the other local visits. Those guys could not have come in. So it's Jones, Dexter, Ringo and Forbes. What do you make of that, Dave?
1: Well, I think you know, you start with, with with uh with Daywan Jones and I I I t- I I made my concerns known right at the pro day, right?
2: We we had that conversation in DMs like as we were seeing that information right. come in and we both had that that concern of like this seems like a red flag.
1: Uh I wondered about that. Now, do we remember who specifically said Daywan Jones because we're dealing with reports here and reports sure. can be wrong, right?
2: Uh, Yes, they can be. I can go back and check to see where that report came from. I can't remember where that was. If that was, um, I don't want to even speculate who the name might have been until I can potentially research this. This was on March 8th, and this was coming from Ryan Fowler from Draft Network, who said Day One Jones has top 30 visits scheduled with the following teams. Pittsburgh was listed among those teams, and that did not occur.
1: And that happened way before the pro day, right?
2: That was on March 8th. That was, yes, before the Ohio State Pro Day. Okay.
1: So it does kind of make you wonder, man, did they get soured by by the process coming out of the Pro Day and say, you know what, there's no sense he' bringing this kid in? Or are they saying, we've seen enough, we don't need to bring him in? You know, you would think with a guy like that, with all that's happened in his pre-draft process, uh, that you'd want to bring him in the building, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. So it's always hard to say for sure. And for all we know, that report was inaccurate and there wasn't even ever even a plan to bring him right. in. I mean, that, that's always a possibility. But certainly just stacking this whole process together, it would make sense if they said, eh, we're going to pass on that day one.
1: I don't know what to think about the Ringo and the Forbes stuff. You know,
2: I think with the Ringo, because they've talked with him so much in this process. What else was there to say? I mean, they were at his pro day. I think they had a dinner with him. Yeah, weren't they
1: even there? Wasn't there even a shot last year of Grady maybe talking to Ringo at the pro day last year?
2: Maybe. I don't remember that. I could certainly buy that. Those guys kind of hang around. Um, But yeah, Grady was there. Grady was at Georgia this year, correct?
1: I don't remember. I know he was there last year, though. Pretty sure he was there last year. I
2: don't know if it was Bama or Georgia. I know he was at Alabama. Okay, Grady was not at Georgia. He was at Pittsburgh, Alabama, and Penn State. Okay, but still, Tomlin. Con were there you know he was at the combine they had a dinner with Ringo I mean you know you could still bring that guy in they've had a couple of guys they were at Pro days that ended up still coming in. But I mean, to that one, like I felt like he probably had a lot of information on the guy at that point.
1: And what about Jervon Dexter? I was a little bit surprised that he didn't come. Was was one of the ones that reportedly was coming in that didn't come in because he even that report came from him himself, right? That he was he was going he was on a podcast that said he was he was, he was right. going, going to do a visit uh, there, and that didn't happen. And yeah, there's the, all the links with Dunbar's son, but yet Dunbar. You know, it's not a huge big thing because you know Dunbar obviously got to see Dexter at, 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 at the combine, but I I kind of envisioned Dunbar being at that Florida Pro Day and he wasn't, or at least that we can tell.
2: Same, I was kind of surprised by that. And, and they don't their bring him in. Yeah, done your research on a lot of D line, and maybe they just figured they liked the other guys better. It, it's hard to say for sure. Um, maybe there was you know is there a scheduling conflict that comes up that just you know, disallowed it? I mean, I can't think that would be the reason, but. Suppose anything's possible, so yeah, that one I'm unsure of as well. All right, all right. For with Forbes though, I wonder if like his weight being an issue. I mean, 166 pounds. I think he was 170 at his pro day. I just don't know how that's going to work right uh, on the outside going against some of these you know big physical receivers. I agree. Uh, Pittsburgh certainly had the type of corner. People ask me you know why is this team. Not shown interest in Devon Witherspoon. I know he was, you know, hurt in in this process some, but even still, not a lot of connection to Pittsburgh. Granted, he's, you know, probably going to be off the board by seventeen. Uh, I thought DJ Turner from Michigan would be a great fit for Pittsburgh, inside-out type of guy, underrated, great speed. But they want the big, long guys. They're looking at Joey Porter Jr. They're looking at, you know, Deontay Banks and Julius Brents and Tyreek Stevenson. They very clearly have a type on the outside that they're that they're going after.
1: All right, you ready to roll through some uh, emails here? Wrap this thing up. You got anything else?
2: Uh, yeah, that should be do? everything. Let's yep. Yeah, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. So, just really quickly, how about uh, Adam Sheen loving Pittsburgh for once? Talk about you know up That's is down, scary. down is up, black is white. You know, it, it, Adam Sheen loving what Pittsburgh's doing.
1: He did say he uh, he wishes uh, fire, <laughs> they fire they they had fired Matt Canada though, so that 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 that, that will endear him uh, to even more Steeler fans on this. Yeah. All right, uh, let's see, from Achilles, uh, I, I'm Achilles, I've been a long-time listener of the Depot, and I cannot physically recommend it more to my family and friends, I'm always pushing SD content down their throats, thanks for that Thank he you. says, anyways, with the offensive line addition, the re-signing of Gentry and the expected O-line selections on this next draft makes it crystal clear that the Steelers want to run the ball, now with the signing of uh of uh, Allen Robinson, who apparently is good or at least willing blocker, got me wondering: How does an effective run game look like under Matt Canada? Do you expect them to run more on heavy sets or spread formations? And he says, "Please don't answer that with a yes." Uh, <laughs> he knows assaulting too, too well. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, I, I I think regardless going into this off season, to f- and, and and then I think even free agency gives you the feeling that this, this team wants, wants to, and needs to run the ball better first and foremost Uh, with, with their free agent additions with uh, uh, you know, somewhat related to, to, to Alan Robinson, his blocking ability and all like that Uh, the re-signing of Gentry. Let's see what happens. Let's, let's, let's see Uh, because I, I have said that depending on what that Gentry contract looks like, he's expendable if this team wants to, Address disposition in a draft.
2: Especially know. after Darnell Washington comes right. in. That's certainly interesting note. Yeah. In terms of the run game, look, I mean, that's more handled by Pat Meyer than Matt Canada. Um, in terms of what it'll look like, I think it will be more condensed, uh, you know, heavier, more physical. I think that'll be kind of the idea, but it, it will, it will vary that, you know, bringing Robinson, he's going to play. So you're still going to run a lot of 11 personnel. He may not be, you know, a super, Tight end heavy as you know Baltimore, but as Dave just said, we'll see what happens in the draft. But I do think it'll be a bit a bit heavier than spread them out.
1: Yeah, I think we'll get we'll get a a little bit clearer picture. I mean, look they're 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 going to want to run the ball better and more, in my opinion. Uh, I would like to see them do it more with uh, heavier formations than they have. Uh, so so we'll we'll see what the draft uh, brings us within that. Uh, they they have to run the ball better, plain and simple. For a young quarterback like that, they have to run the ball better.
2: Yeah, and uh, they know that, and that's what the yeah. whole offseason has been been built around, essentially.
1: Uh, He says, also wanted to say that I appreciate your work and the quality of it, not only individually as you, Alex, Josh, Jonathan put out great content, but as a group, you seem to be working with cohesion like a good offensive line group mm-hmm. should. Let me tell you, Achilles, you just don't know – uh you guys just don't know how good our group is not, not only in what you people see, but behind the scenes. I mean, it's just incredible and and cohesion is the right word there. And you just don't pick these guys out of the hat. Trust me. We, we have, we have, we have tried to add so many people over the years, but the group that we have now, uh, Joe Clark, uh, Ross McCorkle's gotten into the film room now, Tyler Wise, some of these guys that you don't even mention. Tom Mead's been with me forever, uh, just a pillar of kind of what we do. Uh, and and none of these guys need direction for the most part either. You know, they just they just go about and get the work done. You add in somebody like Scott Brown as an editor to tie all this together. Uh, it just, it, it it's incredible. I wish you guys could see what happens behind the scenes. And then my, my other brother from another mother, Matthew Mark C has just mm-hmm. been a, a staple of this site for just so, so long. Alex and Matthew are like furniture, you know, they, they <laughs> uh, uh, they just been, been in the house so long, you know, and, uh, and, and thank you for noticing all that Achilles because we uh, look, I, you know, I can't do all this by myself at my age now and trying to slow down and, and have Alex and and these other guys do what they do is just incredible. So thank you for that. He says, P.S. Thank you for talking more about the all 22 back when we were in season. Okay.
2: Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for that email. Uh, very, very kind of you to say, yeah, the team's been fantastic. The, the coordination and just the chemistry and it is, it is like an offensive line, I guess, just because you work together so long you kind of know, what expectations are and how things work and who's doing what. And um yeah, the whole team has been just, just so valuable to us and i just echoing everything that Dave had to say there. Am I, am I the couch with the plastic on it? If I was a furniture, what, what uh, what piece of furniture am I? Am I like your yeah. grandmother's those couch that you can't sit on without that uh, ruining?
1: Well, uh, Matthew would be that old uh, smoking leather chair. You know? <laughs> yeah. It just, it just, it just, it, it fits perfectly right around you. You know? Yeah. uh You would be, I don't know. You You would be you'd be you'd be more of a I guess you'd be more of a couch.
2: OK. All right. I'll take
1: you. V- very accommodating.
2: Yeah. You know? Accommodating, safe, not flashy, just right. the old trust, old trusty sofa.
1: Uh, Troy writes in Dave and Alex, if Mason Rudolph were to be traded during the draft, what compensation would the Steelers get for him? First and foremost, this is easy, Troy. Uh, Mason's not under contract. He's a free agent, so you cannot trade him. Uh he is an unrestricted free agent. Uh also with wide receiver looking to be off the draft board due to the Allen Robinson trade, does tight end become a higher priority for the Steelers? Thanks for all you guys do. Here we go. I think we've addressed that 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 part of your question quite. Extensively, Troy. So I'm not going to go deeper into that. But uh, your question about wide receiver draft board and tight end and all like that, I think we think we hammered that up pretty pretty good during the podcast here. Chuck Griffith writes in David Alex on Monday. You mentioned the Steelers needed to address cornerback with one of their first two picks. What are the other two positions that need addressed with 17, 33, and 49? Uh, I would think, uh, I, I think tackle was in there and, uh, as far as needing to, now I wonder if there might be a center that shows up in there somehow. Uh, and now I'm kind of wondering about tight end, but if you want to talk about flat out needs, I think it's tackling and cornerback is what, what I'm feeling right now.
2: I mean, if you're asking more of my opinion, you know, I'm a bigger Dan Moore fan than I think 98% of Steelers nation is and Chuck will McCore for, I'm less of a fan, but like it or not, he is going to be a starter in 2023. And so there's depth there that certainly has to be addressed. I don't want LaRaven Clark to be this number three tackle, but you know, I can live if Dan Moore and a core four are my starting tackles in week one with the upgrades to the interior offensive line. So for me, my personal list of needs corner, and then it's kind of a battle between, like, strong safety and defensive line. I know that D-line, you, you retain Ogunjobi, you've added some pieces. I just think depth, rotational, you know, getting some fresher, younger legs for the future is going to be really important. So it's kind of a tie right now. Um, make me choose, I'll say, corner and in, 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 in D-line.
1: Okay. Uh, Brett now writes in from Texas. Hey, David, and Alex, we are nearing the end of mock draft season. And personally, I'm ready for it. I just want to make a couple points for discussion here. He says, I feel that they need to trade down from 17. He says, I know Alex doesn't like the idea of going down, but basically every name seems to be a reach. They all feel better at 32. He says, personally, I just hope they can trade down. Uh, look, I mean, I I've, I've stated several times. It wouldn't hurt my feelings to see this, this team trade down. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, he says, I I mean, you're not acts. You're not, it's not like you don't like the idea of trade down.
2: Right. Yeah. Just to be clear, I'm not opposed. uh, In general, I'm like a proponent of trade down, get more picks, give yourself more chances. And so I'm not necessarily against the idea. I think it might be more likely they go up because they have a couple of day two picks. And, uh, you know, again, who wants to trade down with them? It might, might be a a consideration there. So I'm not against the idea. I'm not, not going to be mad one bit. If they, if they do it, because you're right. If they stay at 17, trying to find that name you love at 17, a little hard to do right now. So I'm not against it. I just think it's more likely that Omar Khan's going to be aggressive and go up and get one of the top guys in kind of a weak top end type of class.
1: Uh, number two, if they do stay at 17, the best option looks to me to be Branch. He says he's got a pathway to playing day one and in year two, year and in, in a year or two he can move to safety if things are going well. He says I think he can play alongside Minka Sort sort out strong and weak later to me that's the best option for 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 the day one product i mean alex is alex has been a proponent of a branch potentially being the guy a lot longer than i have
2: yeah, and I it, I got to his tape a bit late, I'll admit. I know I was kind of lukewarm on, you know, where's he going to fit and the size. And those are still some concerns to work through. But you really turn on the tape and I dive into this guy a bit more because um, I didn't do the initial, you know, scouting report on him that we have on the site. And you really see the instincts, the versatility, what he can offer you, strong safety slot, you know, dime packages, being able to rotate coverages, just be you know a lot of the things that Cam Sutton was. And you see some of those Minka type traits and this guy does hit. When he hits people, they, if they fall backwards, he plays bigger than his size. I understand, you know, athletically, he's not off the charts, but neither was Minka. And you see, obviously, the, the success that, that Branch has. Branch is not Minka, doesn't have quite the ball skills in the range, but just a really versatile guy that, um, you know, again, trying to find that guy at 17 is a problem right now. And that's one of the guys I get more excited about just because I think he's going to be a really good NFL player.
1: Uh, Number three, this may be a misunderstanding on my part, but Dave keeps talking about Gentry being cuttable if they draft a a tight end. I won't argue that you can't cut him, but I don't see why you would. Uh, To me, he's a decent number two tight end, but a great number three tight end. This team usually keeps three tight ends. Last year was the only time I remember them only keeping Two, and I don't think any of us see Hayward as a tight end. He says he thinks that has been talked about on the podcast in the past with the benefit contract Gentry signed. There's not much cap savings to be had, right? He says, so can I get clarif- clarification? Is the idea to draft a tight end to replace Gentry on the roster or simply to move him to the number three spot? Look, it, it's all. It, t- uh, I'll, I'll answer a question. Look, you're not going to just cut Gentry outright after the draft plain and simple. I don't, I don't know if you're thinking that I'm, I'm saying that, uh, no, you're not going to cut Gentry right after the draft. But then again, the, the, a lot of my thinking about Gentry being cuttable is just that, uh, let's say you get a Darnell Wright or, 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 Luke Schoonmaker and you take all these, all these guys, uh, to camp with you. And let's say the roster numbers determined that you're going to have Three tight ends, and I'm going to lump Connor Hayward in, in, in into that, even though I don't want to see him play on the end of the line of scrimmage. But in other words, if you don't keep three more truer tight ends, plus Hayward, and look, it, it, we'll see what happens at fullback and see what you know what 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 the game game is for. It. Not bringing back. Not having Derek Watt on his roster could potentially open you up to keeping three true tight ends plus Connor Hayward, however you want to uh, 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 qualify Connor Hayward is Uh, my, my, my talk about Gentry being cuttable is just that he becomes cuttable. And especially if you spend a, a, a top four round draft pick on a tight end that can block. Plain and simple. I'm not saying he's automatically going to be cut. I'm saying he becomes cuttable due to his contract. The further on you get into this thing, you only have $152,500 tied up in Zach Gentry. That's peanuts if you need to part ways with him. I'm not saying that you have to cut him. I'm just saying that his contract makes him very cuttable. And his contract also means that you don't have to ignore the tight end position in the draft, it should there be somebody that you like,
2: right? But you're saying it's more likely that let's say they just draft Darnell Washington at 32. It's more likely that Gentry's cut as opposed to him becoming the number three and Connor Hayward potentially being cut. Is that right? Your well, spot? yeah,
1: yeah. It be- okay. and it all becomes about roster construction after that.
2: Sure, because what is Gentry offering you if you have Washington on your roster to handle that that blocking role? So I think that's what the reader was asking. Like, do you see Gentry moving down a, a slot in the depth chart, or do you see him, you know, potentially being cut? I can um, see both. Okay, I think I think it, if they draft. Drop- it,
1: it depends on roster construction, whether or not you right. want to carry three true tight ends plus whatever you want to label Connor Hayward as.
2: Right. And your point that I was going to make was, yeah, because Derek Watt's gone, you could carry, you know, technically four tight ends. Hayward being that fourth tight end, H-back, fullback, you know, wear a lot of hats kind of guy. And so you may have that had that extra flexibility um, this year. If, though, hypothetically, they were keeping only three tight ends slash fullbacks and they draft Darnell Washington, I think it's more likely that Hayward stays and Jack Gentry stays.
1: What, I, what I'm what i trying to say is that contract of Gentry. uh. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be purchasing a new house right now.
2: All right, which I think he was. Although I don't know where it was. Okay. I think it was back home in New Mexico. I think Pat Frymuth had it said. But um yeah, you're right. The, your point is like his contract, if if they wanted to cut gentry for whatever reason, they could without basically any hesitation.
1: Right. Uh Eric P writes in, "Hi David and Alex, happy belated uh uh I guess birthday there. Question as far as trades go in the offseason, can a trade be treated like a cut?" On six one designation, as long as it happens before six one, or is a trade, pretty much a done. Okay, I see where he's going uh, with this. Uh, no uh, trades cannot have a a a a six one designation attached to them. Okay. Uh, let's see. Hope this question. Yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from. Look, you can and teams can uh, during an off season, they can designate before. S- June 1st, they can designate up to two players that they go ahead and send out the door. But those, the actual hit, you know, transaction or or, or, or cap ramifications don't happen until after 6-1. Now, the downside to, to making a guy a post-June 1st uh, cap casualty is even though he's out the door, you have to carry his full, whatever is his, his current cap charges until after 6-1. But you cannot designate trades as six one uh, past six one uh, uh, as it relates to the cap.
2: Gotcha. Hey, really quick question: um, Have you did you dive into that Jalen Hurts contract at all? That con- the way it's structured seems to be really interesting and really kind of advantageous in a lot of ways for the Eagles.
1: Yeah, they're rolling. They're they're rolling basically option bonuses on there.
2: Okay, is that what they're doing? Because somebody said like they're doing it as if they've already restructured the contract, but. But you know, doing it all at once or something to that effect.
1: Well, well, the impact is it, and I haven't looked at the specific because I don't think the deal is actually signed yet. Uh,
2: okay. And this void are there? There's voidable years at the end of that too. Is that how they're kind of spreading some of this cap charge around?
1: I'll have to look on that. I haven't. I haven't. Okay. Uh, I just saw the initial. Uh, idea about the option bonuses. Let me see if
2: uh is the cap charges on his contracts are really low even throughout like you know year 2 year 3. I mean they are extremely reasonable for the for the position like 20 30 million. Right. Uh, maybe be, even less than that.
1: Because they have rolling uh the way and see they don't even have this uh, uh, uh updated yet there. But the way I understand it is there's uh option bonuses put in this thing in lieu of a first year uh, chunk signing bonus. So what they'll do a- as the years roll off is they'll take those option bonuses, turn them into a signing bonus, and then prorate them out.
2: Okay. Yeah. Just thought that was an uh, interesting right. approach.
1: But I- I'm pretty sure a lot of it. You know, there's like a hundred and what is a hundred and seventy something fully guaranteed or, mm-hmm. or, or or something like that. So I mean, he's going to get. Uh, uh a lot of that money obviously here. It's just the structure makes it advantageous for A's. You know, keeps his this, this year's cap hit really, really low on them. And it gives them a trigger uh and I guess essentially uh an out too by having those uh option bonuses in there.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Just wanted to get your take.
1: Yeah, I kind of wait because you hear a lot of different reports come in, and this is the way it's going to look, and, and and all like that. I I usually wait till they the actual true true no. But but I think the understood part is that there are pretty s- substantial option bonuses for throughout like the first three year four years of this thing.
2: Okay, gotcha. Uh,
1: Ashley Lawson writes in: How would you both grade Omar Khan's first off season with the Steelers?
2: I think it's gotten better. Um, I was a little meh on it. I mean, I, I understood what he was doing in terms of like changing over some of the inside linebacker rooms. You know, I didn't know how well those names were going to stick. Uh, I don't have a, a grade necessarily off the top of my head right now. Um, it feels but,
1: busier. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah,
2: it's definitely busier. Yeah, in terms of, of, of that, it's an A plus in terms of activity, in terms of. You know, the quality of the moves, I have to think about a bit more, obviously, with the draft. I'm just kind of like, let's just skip, wait for the draft end and kind of take that whole offseason view in totality. But, you know, certainly been aggressive. And uh, as I wrote about this morning, the to me, like the busiest, busiest Steelers season that I can recall. And just to see Omar be able to build this roster in every possible avenue, be it signings waiver claims and trades have all been done over essentially the last month and so you're really seeing con you know build this roster on the edges at least because the core still in place but on the edges on the margins um you know build this roster through every vehicle possible
1: uh i tell you what they sure are churning the bottom end of this roster
2: yeah which you know you should expect for a first year gm and and even though you know it's in-house hire and promotion and all that kind of stuff. This is the first time he's getting to really attack this roster. He was hired in late May last year with everything basically done. And so no surprise for a 9-18 and team that had its problems last year to, to see this kind of, you know, bottom-end turnover.
1: Let's take one more from Adam Guest here. Imagine for a second that the Steelers do trade up for and get Jalen Carter. One, what would you see happening with Ogan Joby with the Widal connection and what we saw, just saw Philly do last year with their eight deep pass rush. I'm guessing the idea is to simply spread the snaps around. He said that would be a big departure from what the Steelers have historically done, though. It would also likely mean a significant reduction in snaps for Hayward and Liao, he says. He's got a percentage of snaps in 2022 here. Uh, Hayward, 75%. Joby 59%. Wormley, 40%. Liao, 25%. Number two, he says relatedly, what do you think made Tyson Alu-Alu so effective as a nose tackle? It's such a unique transition to go from a three, four, five tech to a uh, uh, nose tackle and to be much better at it is Joby a, a possibility to follow suit and does he have what it takes to make an impact similar to Alu Alu's? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, if you for to answer the first part, if you if you go up to get a guy like Jalen Carter, uh, if that did happen, you're going to get him on the field. So. You know, uh, it 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 would potentially uh, impact probably Hayward the most, right?
2: It'd probably be spread out spread out a, a good bit. I mean, A is going to be like a nose tackle in, in your in your base packages. I would assume Jalen Carter would be. So you'd have a front of Oak and Joby, Carter, and Hayward, and then obviously Carter's going to mix in, in sub packages and probably just you know rotate in behind those guys. So it wouldn't come at the cost of one guy. It'd probably be part of that rotation that, you know, as the reader references, you know, Weidel and the Eagles were building over there in Philly.
1: As far as Tyson Alawala, what made him so effective? Look, uh, I kind of wondered about that initially when he when he when he arrived. And boy, did he, you know, once they made that move to him, what was it is his second his second contract, right?
2: Yeah, he was playing more end. Um, and then after Hargrave left, I guess, right? Then all Olu- right. of kicked more inside.
1: I really wondered about the decision to re-sign him uh on that deal. But uh uh what made him such an effective No, I, I just think experience overall and and uh I think it just it was more of a logical move, his understanding and what they were asking him to do uh overall and Uh, Look, he had some good pass rushing snaps in there, too. I mean, he was uh, abusing some centers and some guards for a while, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, I think in terms of what made him so effective inside is the experience that you mentioned. Uh, Dude's a super hard worker. Like that's always been the book on him, like great motor, great work ethic and just technique. You know, that's an example of technique overcoming maybe a lack of ideal size for the position. He's a guy that had great hands and great leverage and stayed on his feet. And it was a coordinated guy that that really, you know, honed in his craft, and so it's a guy that was a great technician with with hands and hips and feet, and if you do that, you're going to be a good defensive lineman.
1: Is Joby a possibility to follow suit?
2: I don't see it. I don't think he's got the anchor. Uh, he's more always been more that upfield-type penetrator. He's a
1: gap guy. He wants to get yeah. in there, and he's not as great against the run as he is as a pass rusher, and you kind of wonder how he would do overall against a run as a base nose tackle, I think.
2: Listen, even Cam struggles at the nose. And if Cam's struggling there, then, you know, sometimes it's just not the great fit. So, yeah, I don't see Ogunjubi, uh doing the same.
1: All right. Uh, we uh, I think we got a, a lot of this knocked out here. Overall, we're coming up on two hours here, which makes for a long show and which we've been trying to stay away from those overall. But we understand with the draft coming. A lot of people have questions and obviously talk about the trade. Uh you talk about draft, Uh Alex, tell these people one more time what you got coming up tonight.
2: Yeah, I forgot to mention at top of the show with the Robinson news. So I don't know how many people are, are listening the whole way through, but thank you. If you are tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time, my uh, walk the mock live stream draft part two, it will be against just a computer. I tried to get into a room with other people that just didn't uh, didn't work out, but we'll make it work. It'll be fun. So come join me, be my scouts and help me draft for the Steelers again, 7 p.m. Eastern time, just search my YouTube channel, just search my name and you'll find it there.
1: All right. Look forward to that. Uh, All right. Without uh, anything else here, we'll start wrapping up. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Cazorra. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, TheTerriblePodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button, upright, navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button, upright, navigational bar, and follow the directions that way. Celebrated 15 years uh yesterday and can't thank all of you enough uh for the support you've given the site over the years this thing has grown uh just beyond beyond what i thought it would be. And obviously, uh, my right-hand guys, Alex Cazor and Matthew Marks, have, have played a huge, huge part of that. And I can't thank them enough, but, uh, uh, 15 years down, I am not going to promise I'll make it 15 more years, <laughs> but, uh, um, maybe Alex and Matthew and the rest of the guys there, but I, I just can't thank everybody enough for the support, uh, over the years. It's been uh, a fantastic ride so far and, uh, no plans on, 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 on walking away just yet, especially with my health, uh, coming back in, in, in order here. So, uh, Uh, With that, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.